Hello and welcome to the Portal podcast, linking research and practice for social work. I'm your host and my name is Dr. Leslie Deacon. And I'm your other host and I'm Dr. Sarah Lombe. So we hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, so welcome to today's episode and um, I'm Leslie, so I'm your host today and with me as a joint co-host is Angie and you're going to guest today uh, because we've got Sarah sitting, although in your usual seat, you are now in a different position today because you're going to be presenting on your research which you've conducted with Carol and this is going to be about um, domestic abuse experiences of older people. So would you like to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit more about the research? Definitely. Well, I'm Sarah Lombe, you know me because I'm normally hosting and as Leslie said, today I'm a guest and I'm with Dr. Carol Southall from Northumbria uh, University. Yeah, and um, I'll let Carol introduce where the research came from because it came <coughs> through you and then you got yeah. me involved, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I um, sit on local authorities safeguarding adults board and uh, some years ago, this, this well, a few years ago now, yeah, it's probably about four or five years ago, there'd been a number of cases within the region where there'd been concerns around domestic abuse, where there'd been a death um, and it was an older person and they just wanted really to um, try and get some sense of where they were in ensuring that they responded to um, domestic abuse in the older population and wanted to kind of just get a little bit of flavour about um, um, what was going on with the agencies and how they perceived it and uh, um, a little bit about service delivery and things. So Sarah and I set up this project, didn't we? Um, A a relatively small scale project, but um, it did um, involve um, us talking to people from a range of agencies, from the board, and a couple of um, uh, female survivors mm-hmm. um, of domestic abuse who have been subject to abuse in, um, in, in that sort of older t- time frame. And um, it, it just proved to be extremely interesting, really. I think that um, it, it helped us understand, I think, what the challenges are, um, but also how difficult it can be to help move things forward I think you know it's very very complex getting a lot of organizations to respond in a in a coherent way and I think actually they they, you know they do very well um, but there are specific things that um, our research highlighted um, that supported previous research actually as well didn't it Sarah Mm -hmm. Um, um, around service delivery and um, identification of abuse particularly and I think we we um, well we'll sort of discuss it as we go on but certainly um, we found that the the, the sort of interplay between um, eligibility criteria for the Care Act and domestic abuse services and things like that could get quite difficult Um, and they could you know they it means that people could be perceived in different ways so um, I think that that was probably I think one of the things that I found most interesting because my background is as a social worker because yeah. you know I'm a qualified social worker so um, it kind of had some resonance I think with my experience around you know how you um, get people into services or how they can be excluded from services um, because of the criteria that are required mm-hmm. so I think yeah. that 
you know, um, has been one of the particularly interesting areas. Um, yeah, because it's when we was <coughs> we obviously we accessed your it, like you did a cast seminar, didn't you? So we'll put that in the show notes mm-hmm. and put a link to that so people can see that as well. But because um, that that's the thing. What I was really aware of is this is quite com- this is a complicated issue. So there's lots of things going on, which I think is what we're going to try and explore in yeah. in this um, podcast today. So um, I'm just I'm, I'm going to go to the statistics. Sarah's ready with her information. I'm ready. With Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Because we, we've got some lots of complexity, haven't you, going on here? But do you want to just share with us about kind of um, with the listeners about what the context is around o- older people in relation to domestic abuse? Yeah, so I think one of the key things to say about this is that it's very much been a hidden issue and Mm -hmm. Carol alluded to some other research um, which does exist and our research really supported some of those findings and kind of came up with some new um, things as Carol's already talked about a bit. Um, But it's very limited and it hasn't been Mm -hmm. looked at particularly. So Mm -hmm. when people think about domestic abuse, they tend to think about predominantly younger women as being the victim survivors. Um, so older people experiencing this has been very much what we could frame this as a hidden issue. It's not been talked about or recognised both in the mm. academic literature or in practice, really. Yeah. Um, and that's partly, um, there's lots of things that contribute it to being a hidden issue. And I think we're going to explore some of those through this conversation. But part of it is around the lack of data that actually demonstrates how many older people might be victims or of survivors of domestic abuse. Um, So the British Crime Survey previously didn't collect any information or data on over a certain age. In 2020, they did start to collect data um, over the age of 74 for the first time. So even when we're looking at those Mm. kinds of data sets, older people as victims were not visible within them. So it was very difficult. Just not collecting it. Just weren't asking. Just just didn't have it. Just didn't didn't consider it. It wasn't part of it. So... um, Mm. And prevalent studies are are notoriously very difficult anyway. So if we think about elder abuse more broadly, so that's abuse against older people that could be perpetrated by anyone, not just um, partners, family members or people who are personally connected, which is what domestic abuse would be. Um, The only kind of large prevalent study in the UK was carried out quite a while ago. And that was only community dwelling older adults as well. So we do have a little bit of data on the prevalence of elder abuse in the UK, but it's quite a limited picture. And then when you kind of narrow that down to thinking about domestic abuse only, it's um, it's even more limited. But mm-hmm. Age UK have just um, published something um, based on the, these new statistics where it is collected for over 75. Um, and it shows that one in 30 people aged 60 to 74 and approximately one in 50 people aged 75 plus have been subjected to domestic abuse mm, in right, the past okay. year. Yeah. Um, so that's more than 400,000 older people, to put that into yeah. context. Mm-hmm. And as we know about anything like this, that will probably be the tip of the yeah, iceberg yeah. Yeah. because these things don't actually necessarily gather everybody's experience or show us everybody yeah. who might be experiencing that. And that is in England and Wales alone, I should point out, yeah. those that data. So mm. we know that there are hundreds of thousands of older people every year experiencing domestic abuse in the UK but um, as we'll explore in this conversation (laughs) (laughs) there's 
there's not really the responses there. Yeah. Um, there's not the identification of it in the first yeah. place that's lacking. And as Carol said, the service provision and the support that should be there is, is a bit limited too. Yeah, I think what you've touched on in terms of prevalence as well is we know, like you've said, it's the tip of the iceberg. And I think for <coughs> older people, if they're monitoring 74 and over, if it's done digitally, there's going to a lot of older persons who doesn't have access to digital technology mm. as well. And I think some of the questions around collation, I think it's really interesting in terms mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. and, and what, what you've come to in terms of your research. It's going to be much broader, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just think it was really interesting that they actually didn't bother to collect any statistics yeah, on yeah, it at yeah, all, as, yeah, it, as if yeah. some yeah. abuse, domestic stops. abuse, stopped at a certain yeah. age. And, mm-hmm. and that kind yeah. of suggests a certain attitude and a, a, a thinking about mm. you know violence yeah. between older people, doesn't it, really? Yeah. So, so I suppose one of the things we were interested in as well was whether... You know, how, how much that attitude permeated yeah. down really uh-huh. um, through different organisations and uh, um, obviously they have corrected that now and they're mm-hmm. now collecting that data yeah, yeah. so that's a positive mm-hmm. move yeah, isn't yeah. in the right direction but that is very very recent I think it's within the last yeah. couple of years isn't Yeah it? they so, only started yeah. collecting that in mm-hmm. 2020 I think yeah, and there's yeah. only recently been yeah. data so, published so. I think that suggests there's some work to be done Definitely, It sounds yeah. as if this is, it's like it, it seems to me when I was reading it I was thinking but surely this we should already be knowing yeah. about this because it, it, it seems strange that, that mm-hmm. you just stop and think, oh, well, it, either it doesn't exist or it's not that, it's mm-hmm. something else. Because mm-hmm. you, you were mentioning, Sarah, about the, you know, the difference between what would be defined as elder abuse and, and domestic abuse. Yeah. So do you think it kind of has been hidden within that? Yeah potentially or is that not where your research went well no I I think that could be part of the issue I think um, even elder abuse more broadly so domestic abuse would fit within the definition of elder abuse but it is something distinct as well yeah Um, I mean if if we think about policy frameworks for elder abuse we've only actually had things in place relatively recently so there was a policy document published in 1993 and that was kind of the first formal recognition of that in policy mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. the abuse mm-hmm. of older people. And that was, again, just older adults living in the community. I think they're no longer afraid. Mm-hmm. Then we had mm-hmm. No Secrets, which started yeah. our adult protection and safeguarding frameworks. Yeah. But it was only in 2014 that adult safeguarding more broadly got put mm-hmm. on a statutory footing. Yeah. yeah. And older people, although they're the most highly represented within that group, their experiences are often neglected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we can see kind of ad- the, the abuse of adults um, more broadly being neglected yeah. by older people within that as well, even more so. So I think you're right that um, it, elder abuse itself, even if we take that more broad definition, hasn't necessarily developed or been responded to no. very well. Um, I think for me personally, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can speak for Carol saying <laughs> this, but I think ageism plays into this yeah. a lot. Our attitudes yeah, yeah. about the older generation, mm-hmm, um, how we value them. I'm, I probably do speak for you saying that, but I didn't yes, want to assume. Yes, definitely. I think you know there, there are assumptions made. I think mm-hmm. um, you, you know. The, I, th- I, I think some people, you know, some organisations work very hard to make sure they don't make ageist assumptions. But I think that you know we all make assumptions to some extent in our day-to-day lives and that mm-hmm. you know that can sort of impinge in terms of professional decisions as well um but yeah I, I would say that you know that there are some assumptions made around older people yeah. their relationships mm-hmm. um and particularly when it comes to things like sexual abuse you yes know, mm-hmm. um, this concept of older people just don't engage yeah. in sexual yeah. activity mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing so you know i think um 
and, and and this is one of the things that I think our 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 research does sort of support is this sense that if there is violence in in an, uh, a relationship between older people, is that it wouldn't be domestic abuse; it would be elder abuse. Mm. It's how mm. it would be categorised, right. um, and, and this is how the domestic abuse then becomes submerged, yes. really, under mm. that sort of mm -hmm. um, um, un, under the alternative label. Yeah. Um, but just following on what, from what um, Sarah was saying um, about really we, we only got a legal framework in 2014 for um, adult abuse. It was also in the same legislation, the CARE Act, that in fact domestic abuse was created as a category of abuse. Um, so prior to that, under No Secrets and the others, mm -hmm. that domestic abuse wasn't identified wasn't, yeah. at all either yeah. you know so mm -hmm. it's only in 2014 that domestic abuse has actually gone into yeah. that list of categorization yeah. so I mean we are talking about very recent <coughs> developments yeah. really so um you know in in terms of recognizing the domestic abuse should be a category and uh you know um and it being uh, you know statistics being collated and yeah. stuff so um there's there's some catching up being done yeah. certainly, um, but it but you know it, it can take quite a long time for things to then sort of uh, you know uh, be picked up and, and and developed in terms of uh, professional practice yeah. and uh, mm. um, and policy as well. So um, I think it's um, you know our, our research has reinforced some of the previous research, but also I think uh, has taken us a little bit further into understanding that, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What impact do you think that has on like the, the social work practitioners who are then trying to sort of <coughs> work out what to do? Do you think that, that because it's that lack of clarity between it being, you know, yes, elder abuse, but it's actually a very specific type of abuse that needs to be addressed, do you think that social workers then will struggle to sort of manage that in everyday practice? I think that's one of the things that we mm. we did find in the research mm. that actually um, it's not that they necessarily struggle but actually framing it as domestic abuse mm. doesn't really happen mm -hmm. so right. when it's an older person particularly if there are health and, and um, social care support needs or whatever that that framing becomes this is an adult safeguarding issue and mm -hmm. therefore we will respond mm -hmm to it through an adult safeguarding yeah. framework, um, which is a very different framework from a domestic abuse framework. Um, so that's framing it as a welfare issue. Um, and the, you know, yeah. the, the kinds of support and the kinds of responses might look quite different from if it was framed as a domestic yeah. abuse issue, which is where it becomes problematic because then you've got a group of older people who are not getting access to the specialist support and services that other younger um, victims, survivors of domestic abuse would be offered and would receive. Yeah. I think I think social workers generally, and I think certainly the ones we spoke to, they were certainly very alert to mm -hmm. um, abuse and understanding when people needed protection. Um, yeah. But I think they also did um, recognise, and uh, you know, certainly sort of fed this back to us that you know the services aren't always fully geared up to dealing with the needs of uh, of older people, and they. Yeah. They have a, then a bit a bit of a difficult role because they might be presented with somebody who clearly has needs. They may even recognise that it's more of a domestic abuse issue than an adult abuse issue generally. Um, but in, if they're going to offer some s service and some support, then the person's going to need to hit the eligibility criteria yeah. under um, Section 13 of the Care Act. And for that, they'll be need, they, they need to have he um, either health or social care needs. Um, 
And it could be that they're dealing with an older woman who is emotionally and psychologically distressed, but the eligibility criteria tend to focus on physical mm -hmm. disability. Yeah, right. um, yeah. <laughs> now, I'm not saying everything else is ignored because no. certainly it isn't and, and obviously people anybody with a mental health problem for example has to be dealt with under uh, you know should be addressed and their needs should be met under under the the care act but i think that sometimes emotional and psychological issues perhaps aren't given the same priority mm. um and therefore how how those thresholds are set as to whether somebody is coming into the criteria or yeah. not i think can be quite subjective um, and maybe not entirely consistent because it yeah. might be down to different workers' decisions or their managers' decisions and this sort of thing. So so I think that can be difficult for workers because yeah. they might have somebody who think, well, I think this person really needs some help, but I'm not sure how I can fit them into the eligibility yes. criteria. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Or can I squeeze them in somehow <laughs> and, and argue yeah. the case? And sometimes yeah. it might come down to how good the social worker is to arguing the case. Yeah. Um, um, and I th so I think that is a real challenge for them and can be really very, very difficult. Because, I mean, the social <coughs> worker's role ultimately is to engage other services to support the person, yeah. you know, um, and and hopefully they can do that. But, you know, if they actually need financial resources, then they're going to have to hit yeah. the eligibility criteria. Mm -hmm. So um, you, you often then get a reliance on voluntary organisations mm. and... <coughs> uh, um, other sort of support organisations um, um, and you know some of them can be very effective but they're all struggling as well as one of the things that we yeah. found out didn't we Sarah in the research that you know sort of inconsistencies in funding and uncertainties yeah. about funding yeah. mean that they haven't been able to develop their services in the way that they would like and yeah. you know um, um, or they can't plan ahead in, in the way that they would like so um, it, it can be difficult for to have those reliable services in the in the community sometimes you know um. i think the invisibility of this mm. issue contributes to it as well doesn't mm. it because we mm -hmm. you know if people are not aware that this is a service that older people yeah. will need then those services are not developed so what yeah. we found is they just don't exist um and mm. actually if it is identified um as an issue domestic abuse for an older person yeah mm -hmm. um the tools in the services are not kind of appropriate for, for their needs all yeah. a lot of the time. I think as well thinking about the complexity for social workers as well is if you've got the perpetrator who's got needs and who has mobility and, and, and needs in terms of that I suppose they've got a duty to that to that other person as well. Yeah. Um, does that cause mm. any sort of complexity because does that add to it because I suppose they've got to take that that into consideration as well mm -hmm. in terms I, of how they deal with that case as well yeah definitely I think the kind of care, caregiving dynamics in the relationship was something that came up as one of yeah. the complexities yeah. because you're more yeah. likely mm -hmm. to see that in an older population in an older relationship yeah. Yeah. than mm -hmm. you are in a younger one um, and I think the complexity of that was partly around how it could might mask the domestic abuse yes. uh -huh. um, because people might assume that the abuse has occurred as a result of the pressures of the relationship with those theories about caregiver yeah. stress yeah. which are not yeah. um, really supported mm -hmm. um, but I think sometimes that thinking is, is through that lens anyway um, and I think sometimes um, what we found is that can mask people recognising it as a domestic yeah. abuse issue or something that might be historic. So actually that abuse might right. have been c been yeah. go ongoing for a number of years in the relationship, um, but it comes to the attention of services when there are care right. yeah. caregiving needs and they're more yeah. involved in that relationship perhaps. 
um, and that, that those dynamics can shift the power balance in the relationship mm. as well potentially yeah. so it does create a lot of additional complexity that you might not see it's quite tricky yeah. to sort of differentiate that out isn't it because if they're just becoming involved like you said because of the, the potentially the care, the care needs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then to actually have the time to investigate yeah. and understand actually it's not that there's something else going on here there's some concern about this relationship mm-hmm. that's maybe been hidden for a, a long time or even if it hasn't mm-hmm. you know I'm thinking about information sharing and whether or not you would even know if those things have, yeah. have gone on anyway um, mm-hmm. yeah really complicated yeah. all I can yeah. think is it's really yeah. complicated I think well that, that's the thing though isn't it because I think and, uh, and Angie you'll, you'll be yeah. able to, to speak to this as well but with domestic abuse the lens is very much about gender yeah. um, and in adult mm. safeguarding if we're mm-hmm. talking about older people the lens is the age so I think if if you are going into a situation and, and there's a caregiving dynamic between two people where there's abuse and they're older then the lens that gets looked at by professionals is the is the age lens, I, yeah. I think, mm-hmm. and the disability mm-hmm. lens, or whatever yeah. it might be, and then that takes them down mm-hmm. a particular way of kind of responding to it, doesn't it? That takes them away mm-hmm. from perhaps thinking about yeah. it as a domestic yeah. abuse. Yeah, yeah. and it's an, it's an interesting point that Leslie really, because one of our one of our respondents, um, I think it was one of the ladies from the refuge, actually said, "Well, the only way you can differentiate is by asking." Yes. Yeah. you know, and, and, <laughs> and this focus on asking the right questions yes. really, mm-hmm. um, um, and not perhaps just taking a, a particular incident at face value, yeah. you know, and, and and sort of delving a bit further. And and you're right. I mean, it, it can take time to actually unravel. Yeah, what's actually going on in this situation? You know, yeah, because um, it's people's lives, isn't it? And people's lives are complex. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really conscious of um, when when practitioners are going in, they they they've got so much so much pressure on them yeah. in terms of time, yeah. in terms of mm-hmm. resources. And a lot of the issues that that we're exploring is really about they need time to be able to explore it mm-hmm. yes. and do mm-hmm. justice to it so yeah. you know because I'm thinking about the things that Angie for you as well in in, in the research that, mm-hmm. that you've been doing it's that issue of there are these things going on and we just don't really know about them but then even when we do know what on earth are we, what do we do? doing yeah. you know yeah. what can we think, do um, absolutely yeah. Yeah. those yeah. were a couple of the recommendations that really yeah. came out of our um, work for social workers one of them was about time and reflection wasn't yeah. it and the yeah. other was about professional curiosity and the importance of yes. that yeah. um, <clears throat> but we know that that's a challenge that's another practice challenge because you Absolutely. talked about the eligibility criteria but yeah. when you've got hun- loads of referrals coming in and you've got to quickly <clears throat> deal with all of them and you're short staffed in the team taking the time yeah. to kind of Mm-hmm. D- take a deeper dive with those yeah. cases yeah. is really tricky. The, the teams are under a huge amount of pressure. They are. Um, yeah. It's um, you know more so than when I was in practice, and um, you know having time to sort of build a relationship, get somebody's confidence so that they will yeah. you know perhaps yeah. disclose mm-hmm. and, and torture. I think is is really 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 challenging for yeah. for workers, but. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, you see a lot of very, very, very good practice, but, um, you know, I think any social worker will tell you just how much pressure they're under to sort of move people through quickly. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, follow procedures and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, And to find there's no service there afterwards as well. There's always the support. So you identify potentially Mm. that there is a problem here. Mm. Then what do you do? Mm. But then yeah. I suppose without doing that, we, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I no. think, I mean, what, what does happen at the moment is um, what, what we found is, you know, that well, there are refuges for women um, and older people can be referred into mm-hmm. those. Um, but they're, 
they're not always appropriate no. referrals, are they? But mm. partly if there are any additional care needs, mm-hmm. those refuges are not set up to no. respond to them or manage uh, them. Yeah. Even if that's not the case, what we found, um, the two older women that we spoke to and, and some of our other participants talked about how difficult it can be for an older person to be in that community yeah. where they're with <coughs> all younger women yeah. and their families. Um, so one one participant was talking about how she felt like she had to be a mum to them and she'd worry about them when they weren't there. Yeah. Um, so there were those kinds mm-hmm. of dynamics that yeah. took her away from kind of looking after herself and, and dealing with her yeah. own needs. Um, it was too noisy. Um, so there were kind of issues around that and, and perhaps a preference to kind of be with people their own age who understood their situation more than the younger women did. So... There were kind of a number of reasons mm. that, although, yes, these services do exist, um, they're not necessarily yeah. appropriate for, for all older people. Yeah. I think if anybody from the government listens to these, we need funding. <laughs> we need more funding. <laughs> and I think that's key from every oh, podcast please. that we listen to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's what we need, yeah. <gasps> yeah, I mean, it is about that, isn't it? It does feel that services are getting squeezed to the limit I've been thinking about how simple well (laughs) seemingly simple things like just administrative functioning has been decimated Mm -hmm. which means to me that the people who are the professionals who have the time who need the time Mm -hmm. uh, are then bogged down with everything else that they've got to do and I feel like that's quite I I could start ranting (laughs) Angie you've set me off (laughs) (laughs) but it is and it's all those extra things that I I hope this story is okay to to share because I'm not going to share any names but I was teaching Mm -hmm. social workers the other day um, um, about this topic in fact Mm -hmm. but one of them was well they all shared stories but one of them stuck with me about um, someone moving from their home into a care home and the social worker they couldn't afford removals to bring their belongings with them and the social worker took time out of their day um to do that for them so that they had their things with them in the home and it's all those extra things that if that person didn't do it they wouldn't have Have them them. and and we know that how important that is to help someone's transition into a home and and if it was a domestic Mm -hmm. abuse scenario that is one of the things that we found as well you know that it's very difficult, if particularly for older people, for anyone in this situation. But if you think about an older person who may have been in the relationship, in that home, yeah. raised their family, have all their possessions there and a lifetime of memories, to move away from that is incredibly difficult under yeah. any circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. But to have to leave suddenly, for example, is very difficult. Mm-hmm. So I'm very pleased to hear about that practice because yeah. that sounds fabulous. <laughs> it is, but it's <laughs> someone going above and beyond, isn't but it? it? Is it is above and beyond. But it is, and yeah. that's it, because it then puts additional stress because then that yeah. that social worker's mm-hmm. not doing all the other millions yeah. of things yeah. that they're mm-hmm. supposed to be doing, but the impact that that would have made for that one it person would have been would have huge been for them. Yeah. yeah. Um, sure but we can't, rely, <laughs> we can't rely on services being run on people's goodwill and willingness to go above and beyond that's the issue isn't it because then people break and leave that's it but I I do think a lot of social workers find that they are having to go above and beyond just to you know try and ensure that people are settled into a a safe Mm -hmm. environment or you know that their needs are met in some way you know Mm -hmm. or just doing little things that they just don't seem to be able to get anybody Mm -hmm. else to do yeah so yeah it it is good to hear that um that you know there's people people will still do that but i think that uh, um as i say it does it you know they'll often end up having to do something some of the other work in their own time and that's uh, yeah problematic because i've been doing some work with um current practitioners at the moment and one of the issues 
that connects with what you're saying is is the fact that people don't understand what social work I- is, mm-hmm. what social workers yeah. do, because yeah. those kind of things to me, well, that's yeah, absolutely, that is what should be getting done, and they should have the time. Yeah, I know there's a pr- practical element <laughs> to actually you should have mm-hmm. a, someone who can practically go and collect the stuff, but the the fact that that person needs it, mm-hmm. that is important that social workers are yeah. identifying that and saying this is important for that individual yeah. that they have mm-hmm. their things, that we make sure we do that. So I think it's those are the things that I think outside of the profession people don't realise that that is what social work yeah. is about. It you should can't be. quantify it. But it's, yeah, but yeah. I think that role that is that squeezed, in money. isn't it? It yeah. is squeezed. Yeah. I think Carol and I, not yeah. to just plug our, our work, although that is... No, that's <laughs> why you're here. You're yeah. There was another work. paper that we wrote um, <laughs> a few years ago that kind of talked about that a bit, didn't it, in terms yes. of the squeeze between yeah. the, the kind of policy expectations yes. and the realities yeah. of the role and, and mm-hmm. how very different those two things Absolutely. can look and that yeah. puts a lot of pressure on social workers too because you're right it is part of the job but the yeah. exp- I think really it's it's, it's not them highlighting it but it's not that for them to then have to do it because yeah. the amount of hours that that would would take mm, yeah. but those are the kind of things that I think social and practitioners do think about because yeah. it's, it's that bit that's about it's about somebody's life and what's important to them and making sure that yeah. you can support their them moving forward mm-hmm. by thinking about what's important to them and what do they need. Yeah. And I and I think social workers yeah. do think about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I think it's retaining that level of humanity isn't it? Yeah, it really? is. And, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Um, and and you know recognizing just what impact you can actually yes. have on people's lives in either mm-hmm. a positive or a negative yeah. way. Yeah. I think it's emotional transition as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Not just for the victim but for the social worker as well. Yes. Knowing yeah. that, that they've done has helped that emotional side yeah. of it, I suppose, mm-hmm. as well. Like I say, it's that humanistic approach, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was was there anything I'm just sort of curious obviously we had to some of the not all of it, I know, but some of the differences um around the experiences for old, older people as opposed to sort of younger people. Was there anything different you found in terms of the, the abuse? I know you were saying it, you know, it, taking that care lens focus to it meant it wasn't seen. Were there differences around what it might look like? I don't we didn't explore the experiences mm. of abuse itself because the right. research was very much focused on how it's yeah. identified and responded to. But I have seen um, another piece of research that looked at um, domestic abuse across the life course and showed oh, yeah. that mm-hmm. it can change as people age. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that was quite interesting, but that's not something we right, specifically okay. explored. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there were sort of characteristics that I think you, you need to take account of. Mm-hmm. So, for example, one of the things that's quite interesting, which other researchers highlighted as well, but ours um, did, was... The, the the dynamic of the situation might be diff- different from a younger woman. So, with with a younger woman, there might be questions asked about child safety mm-hmm. and um, right. you know um, you know where the children can reside and all this sort of thing. What's the mother's attitude to protecting children? But with an older person, it's you've got the adult children, and therefore it's how are they responding to it? Are they even aware of it? Mm-hmm. If they mm-hmm. are aware of right. it, what stance are they taking? So yeah. are they encouraging the person who's being abused mm-hmm. to stay where they are? Or are they trying to encourage them not to? Because that can be really important, you know, the influence of yeah. other family yeah. members, yeah, particularly children. Um, you know, adult children, I should say. So um, so that, that could have quite significant influence on... Um, uh, 
you know, on, on kind of what happens next, really. Mm-hmm. So it does mm-hmm. uh, um, affect the dynamic, and it would yeah, be absolutely. you know another element that perhaps yeah. professionals would need to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, deal with you yeah. know because yeah. managing, the, so like yeah. managing the families can often be yeah. challenging are, they, are yeah. they actually more yeah. problematic yeah. children yeah. can yes. be the perpetrators yeah. as well yeah. so, well of this course. is the other thing yeah. of course as well yeah. Yeah. so you know yeah. there could be sort of a, a much wider range yeah. of, of people who could be you know perpetrating mm-hmm. the abuse so yeah. mm-hmm. So, so there's that element of it, and I think Sarah touched on earlier that there's the the different elements around security, and if 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 um, you know financial arrangements, if they're very enmeshed, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. as well an older person, I think I think with a younger person, you've got the possibility of thinking, I'll get settled, I'll get a job, you know, mm. I can secure yeah. myself financially. Yeah. I think with an older person who's past retirement age haven't really got that yeah. route yeah. open mm-hmm. to them you know so um th- things become very much focused on pensions mm-hmm. and how would that yeah. unravel and 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 you know what person would be eligible for yeah. or not eligible for how is that going to affect their lifestyle or whatever so mm-hmm. um and and you may have sort of attachment to yeah. to a place as mm-hmm. well um you know that the family home and that yeah. sort of thing i mean i think one of the things that was quite interesting was there wasn't absolute agreement between all the people we interviewed around no. some of those issues, were no. they? Because I think certainly one of the, one of the um, ladies, one of the refugees, did say, "Well, yes, those can be issues, but people mustn't make assumptions that because all those things mm-hmm. are there, that they still don't want to get yeah. out of that situation." Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so so um, I, th- I think you know, given that we undertook a fairly small study, it was interesting the differences of opinion, yeah. <laughs> and that yes. again shows yeah. the challenges because a lot of people um, didn't yeah. agree with with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so that, that again just sort of <laughs> reflects mm-hmm. how complicated it could be. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that was a key d- difference in opinion, wasn't it? Around mm-hmm. there was this idea from some that older people don't want to leave. And, yeah. that, and that was mm-hmm. challenged by other mm-hmm. participants who yeah. said you can't assume that that's an ageist assumption yeah, to make and yeah. that actually mm-hmm. lots of older people do but as Carol's just said some of the complexities can make it harder so we know that there's a lot of poverty and isolation in, in later life mm-hmm. um, with the older generation now the, the man is more likely to have controlled the finances yes. so that can make it yeah. harder for a woman to have access yeah. to f- financial means mm-hmm. to move mm-hmm, yeah. There are different in generational attitudes yep. that are still prevalent among some yep. of the older generation around marriage and yep. the privacy of, of what goes on mm-hmm. in, in the home and things like that. And that's not the same for everyone and it is obviously changing, but I think that's mm-hmm. a barrier too. But just because those things are there, we can't make the assumption that someone's not going to want to leave that relationship. Yep. Those options should, should be mm-hmm. open for anyone regardless of their age Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that really struck me and this actually was something we found in the literature rather than what we were directly told in our own research um, was again related to ageist assumptions and the fact that um, older older people, older women particularly don't get routinely asked about domestic abuse in the Mm -hmm. same way that younger women might but not only that that actually um, signs and symptoms that there may be abuse occurring are more likely to be dismissed in the older population so Mm -hmm. if someone has a bruise or something that might trigger a question in the younger women Mm -hmm. it could be attributed to kind of age related falls and things like that in an older person and that question not get asked Mm -hmm. so their opportunities to disclose might be smaller if their social circle or kind of um, 
access points are smaller, but then even when they do have those opportunities, they might be mm-hmm. missed mm-hmm. because were, again were of the lack of awareness as well. Or were they just were they not asking about the bruise? Or were, so they, they wouldn't. They, they wouldn't ask. Assumption? So they were just yeah. yeah the, right. Yeah, okay. It's yeah. kind of written that, it, that it, the assumption would be that it would be linked yeah. to. Yeah. A fall so they or just you know. Like oh that. yeah, they so, would yeah. expect to see bruises. Yeah. So they, of so whereas someone out they might think oh you know what's happened here or just explore it a bit. Okay. Um, and and you know with the service side of it as well the kind of um the way that that's presented to older people so the kind of the, the things that you see about refuges and yeah. support for domestic abuse it might have a picture of a younger woman on or with her family mm-hmm. so older people might may see yeah. those things and think well that's not for me um that's not a space yeah. that's that's there and available mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. to access as well yeah and we had some discussion as well about assessment documentation and forms mm-hmm. um like the um uh, you know the the um assessment framework that's used for domestic violence is called the dash framework mm-hmm. and i forgot yeah. what that stands for is it domestic abuse stalking and Stalk- harassment. Stalking harassment that's it um and if if you look at that, it, it's geared very much more towards younger women. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really um, address some of the risk factors yeah. that might be there for an older yeah. person. So it, it's immediately either p- partly not relevant and yeah. therefore, you know, the, the whole assessment's skewed yeah. really because it's, it's mm. not adjusted in any way. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, one of the things that we, we talked about in, in relation to that was actually you know, would it be useful for, for the dash to be adjusted yeah, yeah, according yeah. to the age group? You know, because some of the questions around drug, abu- drug abuse and risk of pregnancy, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, would you yeah. ask those yeah. for a 75-year-old? Yeah. Well, I mean, you might mm-hmm. ask about alcohol misuse, mm-hmm. for yeah. example, yeah. or yeah. whatever, yeah. Um, or, or, or misusing prescribed medication, perhaps, perhaps a little bit less likely um, for it to be um, illicit drug use. So one, again, mustn't make mm-hmm. assumptions. Yeah. But, uh, you know, questions around pregnancy and things, rather than around the caring dynamic, yeah. perhaps, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the role yeah. of adult children yeah. and blah, 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 yeah. you know, that sort of yeah. thing. So um, so I, th- I think there's probably some developments that could progress in that area yeah. Um, yeah. in relation to yeah. making, you know, assessments more more pertinent yeah. um, and I think some of the practitioners recognise that yeah. as well I mean they, they raised these yeah. issues you know yeah. they, they were saying well yeah. actually you know you, you're going through a dash assessment so yeah. well, this yeah. isn't really that helpful for yeah. this particular individual so for 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 really for the assessment process to be a little bit more individualized yeah, yeah. i think um, it's really interesting you've answered some of the questions that i wanted to ask but i just think there's a big piece of research here yeah. i think when <laughs> you talk and i think some follow-up yeah work <laughs> i mean some of the work i done for my thesis and i incorporated a sample of older people middle-aged people and, I, and i'm racking my brains as i remember reading an article it said people historically who'd experienced domestic abuse upon retirement became their most dangerous point Mm-hmm. But we team seemed to dismiss that. Yes, they were aware and on the radar, but as once they got to retirement age, it was fine. We'll sort of push them to one corner. And they're going to they'll sort yeah. it out. Yeah. And some of the women I'd spoken to, where it was about that coercive and controlling behaviour of being told you're having this every day for your tea, you're wearing this dress and this, that that was routine for them. And mm-hmm. a few of them had pointed how it became more angry and aggressive after retirement because yeah. everything you'd done in the home wasn't right. The the, yeah. the salt and pepper wasn't put back, or the milk jug wasn't put back in the fridge at a specific mm. point. And we just seem to have all of that seems to be disregarded in terms yeah. of of what you said in terms of how we risk assess and look at those. And I think 
Um, there's just oh gosh my heads I'm like all these yeah. things you know I think there's just no, so much um, it's frustrating and there's so much work that can be done in that yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll um, link to this in the show notes because there was some work done in Oldham um, with an organisation yeah. called Made by Mortals where they did some work with older people who had experienced domestic yeah. abuse um, and they produced a, a video and it's incredibly powerful and it touches wow. on a lot of what you've just said yeah. and particularly around mm-hmm. the coercive mm-hmm. controlling mm-hmm. elements of domestic yeah. abuse mm-hmm. um, and so we, we can share a link to that, yeah. that video Interest, yeah it'd be interesting that yeah definitely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think like, it's interesting sorry, no, though that whole coercive element as well isn't it because yeah. again you, you often might not necessarily have that physical evidence no mm-hmm. yeah. and so again you're into these much more tenuous yeah. Yeah. sort of emotional psychological yeah. impact type yeah. of um, uh, uh, situations and you know less fewer triggers even for yeah. practitioners to pick up on yeah um and and start asking questions yeah. about mm-hmm. so uh-huh. but i think even in finances mm-hmm. and parents probably won't mind saying this but even in, in even in older life i mean my, my mum and dad's in the late 80s but everything my mum and dad they've got the pensions are fine but everything what they do is through my dad so my mum doesn't have a pension i said but you do she went no no your dad just does everything um, not that there's anything there but I just thought mm. uh, that makes me start to think but what about people who are in an abusive yeah. relationship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. like you said that financial because over a certain age yes mm-hmm. the indicators have changed once you get to a specific age but those who are late 80s and, and that much older they're mm-hmm. still sort of encompassed in that in that framework and, and women might not know any other that they can actually go out and claim it off their own back and I yeah. think that's yeah. Um, there's just so much out there that we tend to just ignore it's easier just to ignore it than actually deal with it yeah mm-hmm. i think older older people generally their experiences in in these kinds of ways are not uh, are ignored yeah. they've not been mm-hmm. made visible yeah. and even more than that i think the experiences of older people um from different communities from bame mm-hmm. communities from lgbt communities yeah. it's even less visible and it's even less mm-hmm. research mm-hmm. that kind of explores that so we don't yeah. really understand from their perspective very much we spoke to two older women and i'm aware of um another study where they had some older participants as well but other than that was a small Mm -hmm. group too but it's not um no i think one of the things that came across for uh, from one of the ladies we interviewed was that um it's really important that they feel in control as well of decisions yeah and she uh, told us a little bit about a bit of experience she said she had an excellent gp who knew the situation and had offered support and uh, the police were aware of her situation as well yeah. that she mm-hmm. was living with an abusive partner they had encouraged her to leave mm-hmm. um she hadn't wanted to and she it, i thought i just thought it was really important one of the things that she said was she said i knew they all wanted to help me and they wanted to leave and they were giving me advice with the best of intentions mm-hmm. she said but in the end the decision had to be mine yeah, yeah. when I felt ready to do that yeah. so yeah, yeah. you know she you know so she obviously she had tolerated that abusive yeah. situation for a long period of time and it wasn't that nobody knew about no, it no and um, people did know about it but she felt that it, you know it, it did get to a point where eventually she did leave but you know yeah. she had to get to that point her choice yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but the focus but again then is on her leaving isn't yeah. it mm-hmm. as well and that's such a huge thing for somebody in that situation yeah. is yes. it so yeah. obviously with the best of intentions professionals say you need to leave that but mm-hmm. leave means that they have to yeah. get you know be able and mm-hmm. willing to get out mm-hmm. of everything yeah and yeah. everything is not just that relationship mm-hmm. is Absolutely. it no yeah. she talked about having to yeah. leave her dogs 
Yeah. See this really, why don't we move in the perpetrator? I just think even that, yeah. (laughs) But I just think, you know, it's always the victim that has to take everything and leave. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we come back to it constantly. Yeah. We, you know, the victims getting secondary victimisation. They're having to yeah. take everything away. Why aren't we dealing with this perpetrator? And I think that's yeah. one of my. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I won't get started. I on thought that you were going to go down the animal route, but, but the animal route. Because yeah, you do yeah. panic <laughs> about that, don't you? Yeah, that's another <laughs> podcast. You're, yeah. you're yeah. right, Angie. It's yeah. always yeah. about why why doesn't the victim yeah. do this or do yeah. do that? They're not mm-hmm. the one doing no. something. No. Why is the interception mm-hmm. then not about the mm-hmm. perpetrator? Yeah. And I appreciate alleged perpetrator yeah. at that yeah. moment in time or whatever you, however you want to refer. But yeah, yeah. it is always yeah. about, because um, my experience is working in child protection. So some I'm supporting a student do some research mm-hmm. around the re-victimisation of mothers in that yeah. process. Mm-hmm. Because not only is it then about why did they not leave, it was then about why yeah. did you not protect your child? Yeah. As mm-hmm. if it's about mm-hmm. then them <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. rather than about actually hang on a minute it was him yeah it's the dad why are the people doing yeah, yeah. Things yeah. Doing that to yeah. Them. yeah absolutely uh-huh. oh we could head off somewhere yeah we could there's a lot, we could. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> i was just i'm just sort of looking at my little notes there because yeah. i was just wondering i think at one point you talked about inappropriate use of care home placements and i was yeah. just wondering how how were they being used then or not used with the people that you would yeah so a couple of people spoke about that didn't they in terms of um if someone is is wanting to remove themselves from that situation yeah where do they go yeah <laughs> yes. there's nowhere and that yeah. sometimes uh-huh. that was the only option but uh. it wasn't the appropriate option for that person or the mm-hmm. best place for them yeah. to be i think one of the social workers mentioned that as well yeah they? Right. they'd had experience where they'd had to move a lady into a care home just for accommodation purposes yes. really. yeah Yes. Um, because it wasn't felt the refuge was, would be ideal, but then they knew the care home wasn't mm-hmm. ideal either, so they knew yeah. they didn't have a good solution. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but it was safe, and of course they did eventually manage to get her out into her own place again, mm-hmm. you know, so it was a temporary measure, but it was still a very difficult experience for the for the person, yes. you know, mm-hmm. um, because she didn't really have any health or social mm-hmm. care needs. Now you could say, well, the positive is, well, at least... You know, the funding mm-hmm. was made available yeah. to yes. get her into a safe yeah. place. Yes. Um, in in the in the face of the fact that there wasn't anywhere else mm-hmm. more appropriate. You know, yeah. so that's really positive in that sense. But, but um, yeah. you know, they knew. I mean, the social work was saying wasn't really yeah. a suitable place. You know, I wouldn't have no. chosen yeah. that facility yes. for it so if they were it aware wasn't for the fact that. that we didn't have anything yeah, else. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh-huh. um, it's so. it's so difficult, isn't it? Because it isn't. It is about. It ends up coming to be about what's the most pressing need at that moment yeah. in time. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. is you know, and when it comes to their safety, mm-hmm. it becomes about that, mm-hmm. and that's when you start noticing actually there's nothing here, and mm-hmm. we and we mm-hmm. can't do things. So, is it better that they remain in that yeah. or go somewhere that's yeah. not uh, not the right thing but safer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. But and that might be fine for like a short term <laughs> situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But did, do you know if that person was able to go home or able to leave that? Or they, they, they certainly w- were settled out independently, whether they went back to their original right. home or whether they it went set somewhere up else. a new home. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not know. sure. No. no, I was just curious. No. I was just no. curious no. about no. that one. Yeah. I just think, you know, we talk about the siblings and, and, and younger sort of families that don't have children, but did you come across any children, who, or any children or adult children who did support parents or 
moved a parent in with them or went against a father. It's very difficult when you've got elderly parents. You've mm. got two elderly parents that if you're possibly caring for and you've got to try and make a decision as to who you who you want to help. And if you know it's a violent situation, in terms of mine, I don't know how I, how you would move forward on that. Would you move on? And do you, did you find it's, there was an or did they just not want to know? Or We didn't speak to any um, adult mm. children yeah, as part of yeah. the research. Mm-hmm. Um so I can't speak to no, that specifically no. in regards to the domestic abuse mm-hmm. project, but I did an, another project a few yeah. years ago. It was my PhD, actually, that was about um, older people oh, and safeguarding. Yeah. So uh-huh. more broadly yeah. about adult yeah. abuse rather than just domestic yeah. abuse. And it did come up in that in terms of um, the complexities of working yeah. with adult children. If they're not the perpetrators, yeah. if we take that out of the picture, just in terms of... Um, that they might want what's best for the person, but yeah. that might not reflect what that person, person wants. Needs, yeah. And sometimes yeah. they're listened to over mm-hmm. and above the older yeah. person. And again, mm-hmm. I think sometimes a bit mm-hmm. of ageism can yeah. play into yeah. that. Um, and sometimes they're very good at advocating and, yeah. and supporting mm-hmm. the yeah. parent to, to kind of make yeah. decisions within the process. So I think it can go any one yeah. a number yeah. of ways. Yeah. It just depends yeah. on the yeah. person and that family, family and that situation. Yeah. Yeah. But it can yeah. be complicated, yeah. definitely. Very d- yeah, Particularly definitely. if there's more than one sibling and they don't agree. and they're trying to make decisions yeah. about yeah. about and, things. Yeah. So I think that was one of the things that, that the social workers mentioned could be challenging as well was often actually having to deal with yeah. the other family yeah. members yeah. and yeah. their views. Yeah. And, yeah. and if they've got power of attorney or anybody has power of attorney, I think that, that's yeah. an also yeah. difficult concept in terms of that as well. Isn't but, it? And in our lives now as well, adult children often don't live near the parents yeah, and there may yes, actually be other yeah. people who know them yeah, better, better. I know. <laughs> um, but the children still want want to be a part yeah. of those decision making yeah. processes so it's really complicated yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. it's interesting yeah. you should mention the power of attorney because one of the thing, other things that did crop up was the question around uh, mental capacity mm-hmm. you know, yes. um, and obviously if, if a person has mental capacity and they can make their own decisions that's fair enough um, they can be supported mm-hmm. with whatever decisions they make but if it was felt that the person didn't, yeah. then obviously decisions would then have to be made under the Mental yeah. Capacity Act, Best yeah. Interest, yeah. Capacity mm-hmm. Assessment. Um, and again, that can then become... Uh, it, well, I think it's difficult. In some ways, for a practitioner, it becomes easier yeah. because you've got a legal framework yeah. whereby you can intervene yeah. um, under best interests. Um, but, but it can be more difficult if you still dealing with a, a whole lot of people who disagree yeah. or, or yeah. have mm. different views yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know and the persons yeah. may have their own view yeah. as well and you may not agree with that yeah. and this you know that's an incapacitated um, preference yeah. so how much weight do you give that yeah you know because just because somebody is has been deemed to be incapacitated in relation to a particular decision perhaps to stay at mm-hmm. home or not stay at home yeah. um how you know should it be dismissed just because it's uh, you know they're, they're deemed to lack capacity to make that decision yeah. and I mean I think the, the general feeling is actually well no it shouldn't be because their wishes should be respected yeah mm-hmm. um but uh you know you then having you're in that balancing act between respecting their preference risk yeah safety yeah. you know mm-hmm. the, yeah, yeah. the old seesaw really of, yeah. of yeah. balancing mm-hmm. um your different duties yeah. and responsibilities yeah. Yeah. yeah very so, very difficult to navigate yeah. mm-hmm. it's always been much more mm-hmm. complex when you're dealing with adults because yeah. of the, that yeah. rather than my experience of w- yeah. with children because yeah. of that issue yeah. of, yeah. of where's that that balance, balance. How, where is the yeah. middle yeah. ground absolutely <laughs> Do you know i absolutely agree with you that i i always think that situations with adults are more complicated yeah. than yeah. situations uh-huh. with yeah. children in yeah. terms of re- the application of the law yeah. it's, it's and people yeah. say oh you, do you think that's a yes, yes. It well, is. I, I, my background's child protection <laughs> i have a degree i mean apart from the fact that when i was practicing it was be- 
prior to the the Care Act coming in and tidying up mm-hmm. a lot of the, mm-hmm. the legislation yeah. for adults. I remember yeah. sitting and learning about all the difference between adult yeah. law and children yeah. law and the amount of different pieces. It was yeah. so complicated. But that, that balance with the, the right of an adult to make a decision for themselves... Yeah you know whatever that might be because we have to be so careful otherwise you're just taking over and controlling yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is more mm-hmm. complicated mm-hmm. I, I think I would agree yeah. I, mm-hmm. listeners might not yeah. <laughs> listeners might yeah. say yeah, we're hoping we have listeners yeah, we, we always do, say yeah. that <laughs> well, I'm hoping the government's listening anyway to get us yeah. that funding you're determined on the aren't you Andy? <laughs> I think that, that for me though is the really yeah. interesting thing that this project shines a real spotlight on yeah. because yeah. I, I think there is a tendency um, in adult safeguarding that balance, that empowerment mm. versus protection balance is really tricky. It's and nice. I think the way that safeguarding has developed, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've positioned people as vulnerable, unable to protect yeah. themselves. So there, there is that tendency and there has been historically a tendency to be more paternalistic yeah. and perhaps not to give people mm-hmm. as much choice and control as they might otherwise have. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas that isn't necessarily the way that domestic abuse has been set up and framed mm-hmm. and how those services have mm-hmm. developed. So I think in terms of how much capacity, not capacity because that's not what I'm talking yeah. about here, but how much um, the person is able or given the option given, to make choices yeah, and, yeah. and take control over the situation, I think that could look different depending on how that situation is framed and what kind of response comes out of that and what yeah. kind of services mm-hmm. they then access. Yeah. Because going back to what I said earlier about that difference in framing between gender versus age being the yeah. defining lens... Mm-hmm. Domestic abuse services tend to do more work around empowering the victim, yeah. survivor, those kinds of things, and, yeah. and thinking about the power dynamics mm-hmm. of that situation and yeah. how that's played into what's happened. But safeguarding doesn't really operate in that way, does it? No. It's so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that kind of empowering mm-hmm. response, I would say, is more likely to happen if it is picked up as a domestic abuse issue yeah. than yeah. Okay. as a safeguarding one. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody should be empowered, whatever process that yeah. Yeah. Dealt with under, but you know it, it can be a bit variable depending on the context or mm-hmm. uh, it's a key principle of adult safeguarding and I think we've made a lot of steps um, yeah. to move it more towards yeah. that but just going back to the capacity issue Sarah knows this is my pet subject is the whole issue of can somebody make a capacity decision yeah. if they're subject to coercive control yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean you know there's been cases along those lines in the courts as well mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and um, um, I think I think again it, it's just <laughs> another layer of, yeah. of complexity that um, you know a practitioner will have to try and unravel as to you know just how much control is that yeah. person's yes. decision mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know uh, you know how, how much control are they under in terms of the decision they're making, um, or are they actually making a free, capacitated decision? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, yeah. coercive decision. I could decision. go off with yeah. you on that yeah. point Flex, as well. Yeah. I'm doing some uh-huh. research at the minute with practitioners uh-huh. around actually people. Actually, it's actually around um, families giving consent to services, mm-hmm. and we're actually investigating, but what did they actually think they were agreeing Green to mm. and how much mm-hmm. free yeah. choice did they feel they mm-hmm. had to mm-hmm. say what if they're going to say no mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so when that idea mm-hmm. of coercion it's there across the board in yeah. a lot of things that we you know because actually no you don't get access to that if you don't agree so yeah. then that's that's coercion yeah. and that's control isn't yeah. it mm-hmm. or oh, I could head off <laughs> I'm yeah, maybe just, we need another yeah, episode yeah, on that. I'm just looking a little at and thinking if we maybe try and sort of pull this mm-hmm. Towards yeah. sort of a conclusion, unless you've got anything 
Angie. No, it's fine. I think they've said that you're going to do future <laughs> research on this, aren't you? It's going to We're be an area. We're literally writing a yeah. bid right so now. That we right, look forward yeah, to that. So yeah, yeah. brilliant. So we'll have more yeah. forthcoming, I just hopefully. Wonder yeah. if, <laughs> just to, two parts to it. One is, what do you think... Um, you know, for the practitioners who are hopefully listening, so we've maybe got some active practitioners listening, what do you think, what would be your key message for them? And then to policymakers as well, what do you think, what's your key message that you'd like to say? We've, well, we've developed a policy brief and practitioner guidance off the back of this research, so oh. we can we can tell you exactly what we're saying, <laughs> um, because hopefully we've Follow already tried week. to say it to a few people. Yeah. Um, but for practitioners, uh, we've touched on this already, I think one of the key things is around that professional curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when you're presented with, with a case, to just dig a little deeper and ask the right mm-hmm. questions and take the time to develop yeah, yeah. that relationship, I think particularly around exploring um, whether the abuse is historical or whether it's recently emerged yeah. and some of the other complexities that we've talked about yeah. the time and the reflection as well yeah. being important that's it and I think the other key thing is you know is, is not making assumptions about yeah. people on the basis of their age you know, yeah. no matter how Absolutely. inadvertently sometimes we can discriminate by doing mm-hmm. that so yeah. just to being very alert yeah. Um, yeah. about mm-hmm. if you've got an idea in your head where's that come from is it appropriate As is it because of, of the person's age rather yeah. than yeah, yeah. context or whatever so yeah. um that's certainly you know one of one of the other key areas and also just making sure that they access training or ask their employers for training in in that particular area yeah um i'm aware one of the um, local authorities in the region certainly is, has, has got some of that set up some specialist training actually right. yeah um but i think you know it's, it's how many people that can who can access that and yeah. i think mm-hmm. it should be um, you know, d- domestic abuse training isn't mandatory no. um, across health and social care, um, and mm-hmm. domestic abuse training in relation to older people, therefore, is, is, is not it mandatory is, either. Yeah. So, I, I think, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's yeah. something mm-hmm. that needs to be addressed Definitely. perhaps on a, on a wider yeah. Obviously, individual practitioners yeah. can address that, but certainly the, yeah. um, their employers could, or there could perhaps be some, uh, you know, more national guidance yeah. around, mm-hmm. around that. Mm-hmm. And just generally awareness raising of this as an issue for all yeah, the people. Definitely. I think in terms of kind of um, policy and more strategic um, messages that we have, mm-hmm. a big one was around the service development and the need mm-hmm. to really think about um, the fact that there is a critical need yeah. for refuges for older people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, commissioners need to think about that when they're kind of commissioning services and yeah. <laughs> thinking yeah. about how they're allocating resources mm-hmm. um, because there is a big gap. Um, pathways to alternative housing perhaps mm-hmm. could be something that could be developed mm. um, and long term funding as well to allow for suitable yeah. planning because that was yeah. a big one that came out a lot of um, the support that's available the, the kind of the general support um, we know it's it's um, made available through the third sector but they're <laughs> constantly battling and that you know they yeah. don't know yeah. mm-hmm. if they've got funding yeah. to yeah, open yeah. The, the following years mm-hmm. so th- yeah. that long-term funding doesn't yeah. exist for them and people no. are constantly having to fight and to co- you know yeah. keep mm-hmm. competing for money to keep their doors open and yeah. that's not uh, sustainable no, um, not it doesn't allow people to plan um Awareness raising, I've mentioned again, um, but I think kind of just ensuring that tools and support are fit for purpose as well. Yeah, so we mentioned what we were talking yeah. about, um, so, yeah. the um, risk assessment, mm-hmm. the dash, yeah. and things like that. Um, and we know that there are some gaps in our knowledge. That you know, we started off saying that this was quite a small project, so there is a need for ongoing research yes, as yeah. well. And um, we're looking at, at 
doing some further work, mm-hmm. so yeah. perhaps we can come back and talk Fab. about it. Well, we might yes. go ahead. Schedule myself in. <laughs> Just put me on the list to help. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much. Thanks, thank you, thanks, Carol. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Angie, for co-hosting. Oh, I've enjoyed it. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Angie. Time. It's been really yeah. nice to be a yeah. guest as well yeah. and like have a different role yeah. in different the room. Role. So yeah. So thank you so much, and I don't know what we're supposed to say at the end because I know we have a little blurb at the end. We have a little closing. I think we just thanks wish each other well (laughs) and say goodbye. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. Thank you. Bye. Bye. (laughs) You have been listening to the Portal Podcast, linking research and practice for social work, with me, Dr. Sarah Lombe, and Dr. Leslie Deacon. And this was funded by the University of Sunderland, edited by Paper Ghosts, and our theme music is called Together We're Stronger by All Music 7. And don't forget that you can find a full transcript of today's podcast and links and extra information in our show notes. So anything you want to follow up from what you've heard today, um, check out there and you should find some useful extra resources. See you all next time. Bye. <laughs>